On this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Bits to Podium, we analyze the Spanish Grand Prix, understand whether Mercedes have actually bounced back or is this just a track-specific thing? How did Mercedes actually win this race? Moreover, are we seeing some new refound Valtteri Bottas version 77 with the aggressive nature that he showed here this weekend? And more on the midfield battles. There's so much good stuff coming up right here on the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch to Podium. So, without any further ado, let's begin. Well, hello there, my very good friends. Welcome to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch to Podium. My name is Samuel Arora. You might know me from the driving force on Hotstar, and I'm glad to be joined by Kunal Shah, as always, the ex-marketing head of the Force India Formula One team. And now he's working as a motorsport consultant for the VS Sport Network in Norway. And straight away, Kunal, straight off the bat, I think, let's say this, Barcelona is not a boring track for racing. When you have a good strategy like we had here today, it really gets your mind working. And that's what happened today. We, I think it was a very fun race to watch with the full course of the two hours that lasted. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anyone, you know, disagreeing uh, is happy to, you know, reach out to me on Twitter or on Facebook or even WhatsApp. And I'm I'm very happy to debate uh, this as to why it was an interesting race. And, you know, just to take you from what you said, Samuel, uh, I think we all have this hangover that, oh, Barcelona is always boring. And we just have this thing that we have, you know, it's like a, it's like a past uh, that we can't get over of, you know, for some reason. And today's race actually proved why Barcelona can also be an exciting, uh, you know, Grand Prix circuit. And, you know, maybe where the, the, the issues are with the designs of the current cars, because I remember in the preview episode, you actually, uh, you know, followed different categories of motorsport. And you said how the GT class actually had some interesting races at Barcelona. So, I say Formula One in you know in Barcelona this weekend was was a was a great race. We sh- we saw a battle all sixty six laps of the race, and I think that's pretty fantastic. And especially a battle for the lead, you know, considering how much fun that was being, the amount of intrigue on that, amazing stuff. We should get to analyzing that in only a second. But first, Kunal, a manscape lawnmower moment of the weekend. There's there's not many people getting on the grass, but still, there, there were a couple. <laughs> what was your moment of the weekend? Well, um, I'll put it this way. Uh, I would say that we almost had our manscaped lawnmower moment on the opening lap at turn one itself. You know, when mm-hmm. Verstappen barged his way onto the inside and took you know, uh, took the lead of the race from Lewis Hamilton. And Hamilton, had had they not touched, had he not relented, just as, you know, he shouldn't have, you know, relented and he didn't relent, he would have probably been on the grass, even though there's a lot of curb there, you know, on the insides of, uh, you know, turns one and two. But that, to me, was almost my manscaped lawnmower moment. How about you? Yeah. And there was another fun one. That's my moment. The one between Fernando Alonso and Lance. Uh, no, why am I saying Lance Stroll? I was about to say Lawrence, but <laughs> Lance Stroll, that is, that it's happened later same, on same, in this race. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I know why they painted their cars green because of the door, but hey, that joke aside. <laughs> uh, it was amazing. Good battles later on in the field. And another, thing's that's, uh, another thing that's very good, see, cheeky promotion right there. Manscapes products are genuinely quite awesome. You can buy them all around the world, men's grooming products, that is, with the code Trim Inside, You can get a 20% discount. 20% is no joke, guys. So more of that in our show notes. You can get a link to Manscapes, Manscapes store, along with the discount coupon that is Trim Inside that you can use at checkout. So that's all 
all the good stuff that we're doing right here. And just to digress for a second, we at Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitstop Audio also have a tie-up with Puma. So you can see on your screen right now, you can use the coupon code uh, Puma Inside Line to avail a 5% discount on all of Puma's products, especially the motorsport ones down at their checkouts. More on that in the link in our bio, along with a very special competition that's actually coming up for the Monaco GP in a couple of weeks where you can win discount vouchers of 3,000 rupees flat if you get the poll time correct. More on that in our newsletter that's going to come up soon. But hey, let's get to the racing now, finally, Kunal. So our theme for this weekend that you suggested was very interesting. Have Mercedes finally bounced back? Have they? Now, I think this one was very much on merit, not just any shenanigans that described it, but even though Lewis Hamilton lost out on the very first turn, the way they gained it by the strategy, amazing stuff to watch. Yes, I mean, frankly, I could speak for 10 minutes about, you know, strategy and did Mercedes uh, and, you know, Red Bull Racing, did they make mistakes, what their mistakes were. But to keep it very precise and to to sort of streamline my thoughts, I think Mercedes have definitely bounced back. Okay, and I know this is where Lucien, who tunes in all the way from Australia and he gives us the beautiful tunes at the start and the end of our episodes, he's going to write to me and say, mate, I told you so, right? And I, I, I would say that, you know, all along, uh, we used to believe that, okay, Portimao, it was track specific that Mercedes uh, sort of were quicker than Red Bull. In Imola, Red Bull, uh, you know, uh, Red Bull just had a one-off, uh, even though, of course, they won there and so on. And in, in if you ask me, in uh, the race we had this weekend in Barcelona, Mercedes, I think, have showed all... Uh, factors that a team would need to show that they have bounced back. Listen, it is still a close fight between the two, but Mercedes are chipping away. They are edging away. You know, it's like such a well-oiled machinery, such a well-oiled unit. And, uh, you know, Lewis took took pole very, very, very small margin, his 100th pole of the season, or of his career, rather, okay? And then uh, I think uh, even strategy-wise, they, they did a fantastic job they they remembered you know hungary 2019 much like every other fan on social media and they executed the same strategy literally it was copy book it was a xerox copy from you know that race and uh, i think you know mercedes have sort of bounced back and i think the the conversation from low rake versus high rake and rules being implemented by the fia to slow down mercedes and all are clearly out of the window now. I think it's just game on and Red Bull will be itching to claw back. And let's remember, you know, Red Bull is being beaten on something called as race strategy. And we've all along believed they are the kings of strategy. You know, if Red Bull decides to pit at a particular moment, you're like, oh, there's no way that's the wrong moment to pit. But we saw clearly again today that Red Bull were outfoxed, outthought by Mercedes. And Yes, it's becoming a monologue. I said I'll go on and on. But I think, you know, races like these is where the second driver problem of Red Bull just amplifies. And I just want to see Checo Perez right there and then see what magic Red Bull and Mercedes are able to do with high-speed game of chess. I don't blame you for going on, Kunal. It was amazing in the mid-part of the race where... Once Lewis got, I think, what, that was five laps on, on Verstappen, five laps of a head start in terms of the tyres, we thought that, okay, Lewis is going to have the grip by the end. That's when they're banking. Eh? That's where they're banking on. And I was thinking, yeah, but 
is it really the smartest of ideas to pass Verstappen on merit? That's when we were thinking that it was only going to be a one-stop, aided by the safety car, of course. But then Mercedes flipped the switch, and that got Red Bull off guard. They were really banking on that one-stop. did not happen for them. And Verstappen himself was questioning, well, is this the right decision to do? I mean, you cast your mind a few years back, Red Bull were the ones who were being the ones that were proactive in their nature of strategy. This time out, it was quite the opposite. They were the ones reacting to what Mercedes did. And instead of actually going out there and covering off, taking the defensive option, they backed their approach, they backed the one stop. Okay, it did not work. It's all right. But when the stakes are so high, you cannot go to the debrief saying, okay, it did not work. It's all right. Because let's be honest, when you're fighting for a world championship like they are, it's not. But the interesting fact by Sundaram right here, Hamilton becomes the only second driver in F1 history to win a particular Grand Prix on five, not total occasions, consecutive occasions. Hamilton winning the Spanish GP from 2017 to 2021. No, the other driver, Canada, did that. Alton Senna. I remember Edwin reading. Senna. Yeah, I remember reading Sundaram's tweet. That's the only way I know. <laughs> <laughs> Edin Senna, indeed. Monaco GP from 1989 to 1993. Dominant was Lewis Hamilton, but I, I am really very intrigued as to why Red Bull did not cover it off. Now that that sort of thing makes me puzzled because when you know Mercedes are, are doing something like this, I mean, they might surely must have cast back to Hungary 2019. They must have thought, right, let's do something. Let's block it off. Let's not do it for a repeat. This time, of course, it was less uh, less climatic than Hungary 2019, but still very effective, very useful at the end of the day. And yeah, Hamilton showing once again why he's a seven-time world champion. Yeah, and likewise with, you know, Mercedes as well. Although, uh, you know, before I sort of go on to why Red Bull or what Red Bull could have done to cover off, you know, sitting in my chair here in the room wondering <laughs> what the pit wall could have done. But I think Mercedes and Red Bull both made strategic errors in, in this race. And uh, I think the first strategic error that came upon was, uh, you know, from Mercedes when uh, Max Verstappen had a slow stop when he had a four second stop. And, you know, Red Bull's four second stops seem, seem much slower than uh, McLaren <laughs> or, you know, Aston Martin's four second stops, right? But, you know, maybe Lewis could have just come in literally the next lap and then, uh, you know, Mercedes would have capitalized on that slow stop because despite the slow stop, Max sort of made the time back and, you know, uh, let, uh, let sort of, uh, you know, took his P1 uh, position back from Lewis, right? So that was, in my view, uh, Mercedes's, you know, strategic mistake, I would say. Again, they won the race. I'm sure they knew what they were doing, <laughs> even though Kimi's not on the pit wall for them. But that's just, you know, one thought. But moving on to Red Bull, Somil, it's very interesting, you know. All of Twitter, I remember, went on to saying, this is a repeat of Hungary 2019, and we all know what happened. Red Bull knows what happened. Uh, you know, GP actually uh, went on to the radio and told Max Verstappen what happened. And then the question is, if they knew what happened in that race, why did they actually not do something in that effect to sort of have a different result, right? And one of the, the key things that come out uh, here is Lewis Hamilton mm -hmm. actually said post-race that we had kept two sets of medium just for this reason. We had planned to do a two-stopper all along. So that was probably one cue as to why, you know, Mercedes had kept an extra set of mediums at their, their account, right? The second point was, you know, maybe Mercedes, uh, sorry, maybe Red Bull could have reacted a little differently instead of waiting on a safety car, which is what their strategy, you know, was depending on when they decided to not 
pit Max Verstappen. Maybe they could have pitted Max, uh, you know, just immediately after Lewis put on, uh, a, a, you know, a soft set of tires and go chase Lewis. Yeah. And of course, you know, the soft may not have lasted as long in the race, one could argue. But I believe, you know, maybe closer to lap 50 or something, they could have shifted onto the soft tire and see if Max could have then chased Lewis Hamilton down. And again, I say this uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, they settled for second by not pitting. By pitting, uh, they maybe would have fought and still settled for second. And I think that's a difference in, in the two strategies that we would have all loved to see. Eventually, of course, Red Bull did get the fastest lap. Uh, I think they did, but they boxed for the fastest lap. That is, I'm sorry, I missed that aspect. But yeah, they had to go to the soft tire. I think that's that's the ideal situation. But Mercedes are so good on that medium. Incredible how much pace Hamilton was able to extract. And Bottas simply wasn't. A segue to this. Uh, this is a segue, of course, to the next topic that we have to discuss. Are we seeing Valtteri Bottas version 77.0003 or something, whatever? Aggression was on show today, Kunal. Uh, not in the right way, dare I say this, because he did not uh, blow up, uh, up the internet with a spectacular performance by passing Hamilton and Verstappen both on the same lap and then taking the lead. That did not happen. What happened was that he actually blocked off his own teammate from going past when Hamilton actually needed to. It didn't, it didn't matter eventually because Lewis did get the win very convincingly. Six, six laps before the end, that was when he took the lead. But still... People were saying that Bottas was unnecessarily aggressive. It seemed like what, that to why, me. Why as well. You know, it could have just, just been a slip up. It could have just been frustration. You know, several emotions that probably go through Valtteri Bottas, especially in 2021. You know, probably his final chance at claiming a world championship, beating Lewis and Max. And now suddenly he's literally nowhere in the fight, right? So... That's probably just that. And then, you know, again, being overtaken by, uh, you know, Charles Leclerc at the start and fighting Charles instead of fighting the guys ahead. So maybe lots of things going into Bottas's head. I'm sure the team's going to have a chat with uh, with them. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall. The good old <laughs> saying in the world of uh, in the world of journalism, right? When when we when we encounter such things, but you know, uh, I think uh, I think it was just. It was just an emotional move uh, by Bota, something he he would probably regret when he sees it, you know, because he's known to be an essential team player, and that's one of the reasons why Red Bull, uh, why Mercedes have stuck on to him for so many years as well, right? But uh, you know, speaking of Bota's, you know, uh, Mercedes were really pleased that both their drivers were starting on the cleaner side of the start grid at the race, and ironically, both their drivers lost a position on the opening lap itself. So, of course, we're stepping over to, you know, Hamilton and then, uh, you know, Charles Leclerc over to Valtteri Bottas. So, just one of those things that I made a note of, you know, that despite being on the cleaner side and, of course, you know, the other two drivers were helped by the junior series that went racing and brilliant Formula 3 race as well. Uh, you know, the Norwegian driver, Red Bull Junior, Dennis Hauger, took a fantastic uh, win. But, you know, that's not for this uh, episode. It's for our listeners in uh, in uh, in Scandinavia and Norway. But uh, just, uh, just wanted to highlight the fact that, you know, clean side, dirty side actually, uh, you know, worked against Mercedes's favor at, at the start. Actually, Dennis Hauger, good you pointed him out. I commentated on him, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, on the Norwegian National Sim Racing Championship. Very fast in the Porsche 911 GT3 Cup car as well on the sim. Amazing driver. Let's see how he progresses. Now, 
before we move on to dissecting the midfield, and there is going to be some of that because what a race it was right there. One thing that you must catch if you haven't yet, uh, if there's one thing that you have to pick up from this race and you have to watch it, Toto Wolf's message to Michael Massey, the race director, actually got broadcast on live television around the world. And of course, that was when Hamilton was about to lap Mazepin. And Mazepin, being Mazepin, wasn't moving out of the way. So Toto Wolf, his message saying, oh, Michael, this man always does X, Y, Z. Just, just get him out of the way, get blue flags. Something, something along those lines. Amazing to see the kind of insight that we got right there. Thank you so much, F1 TV. But <laughs> midfield, now let's get to the good fun of it. And another interesting fact by Sundra. Uh, you must follow him, by the way, and more of that stuff in our newsletter. There's some awesome stuff, awesome statistics by him and Nithyanan right there. But Lando Norris has been outraised by his teammate for the first time since the 2020 Sakhir Grand Prix. Lando Norris has been outclassed in the midfield for the first time this season. And it was Charles Leclerc. Let's take half a minute now to speak about Charles Leclerc, because how good was he? Putting that Ferrari in B number four and qualifying, supposed to be there, you know? And then passing Bottas and keeping him back for what was it, twenty odd laps or something, and then holding on to P4. Uh, in context, he had such a huge gap to Daniel Ricciardo by the end. That I think was a champion's drive by Charles Leclerc. It's an absolute travesty in a sporting sense that is that he's not driver of the day. I don't <laughs> get why. <laughs> you know when Lewis Hamilton pulls off performances like he did today, and again. Everyone will think I'm a big Lewis Hamilton fan, but I'm just recognizing <laughs> brilliant talent because I'll put it this way. It was his driving that actually won him the race today. You know, it was superlative. And I think he was right in being awarded the driver of the day. And yes, Charles came an extremely close second. And Nikita Mazepin came a very, very close fourth for the driver of the day poll. Was, he was fourth there for all the funny reasons. But yes, talking of Charles Leclerc, I think Ferrari are showing... A, a recovery quicker than what we expected. And I think that's that's a great thing. And, uh, you know, one thing I want to highlight in these battles that we are seeing, Samuel, you know, at the start of the season, we all went like, it's 2021. Everyone has two key factors to keep in mind. You're running the 2022 program in parallel and then you are, uh, you know, bound to a cost cap and a financial regulations and all. So will teams really focus on building these, this year's cars and or will they just shift focus on to the next year's cars and so on? And then suddenly seeing Ferrari up there, seeing, you know, Mercedes start slower and, you know, then now become the quickest package just goes to show that you throw all the filters at all the, all the teams and they are still able to you know, uh, chip their chip away and, you know, find an edge in their performances, right? And, uh, you know, something that stood out for me when it, when it came to Charles Leclerc, you know, in his post-qualifying uh, interview, he said, we were really strong in sector three at Barcelona and that bears well for what we could do come the next race in Monaco. Food for thought in the midfield, that is. I, I can't wait to see where Monaco goes. But otherwise, as well, Leclerc had a boring race. I'll tell you what was not boring. Sergio Perez versus Daniel Ricciardo right there at the very end. Oh, my goodness me. That move on Sergio Perez. If there's a second thing that you must check from the Barcelona GP, that is the one. What a pass that was. Perez, of course, coming on a recovery drive of sorts, not feeling very well on Saturday. Had a slight niggle with the shoulder. Uh, wasn't in the best of spaces internally as well. I, I think it was some sort of headache or something that he was facing. And, and good on him 
to put that recovery drive. But if I'm helmet Marco, I'd say, yeah, mate, I don't be bothered. I, I, I drove with so many other situations. You must do better. That's helmet Marco for you. But uh, honestly, that's where Red Bull were compromised this weekend, though. But nevertheless, Gunnar, amazing battling. Ricciardo coming up with a good recovery. Carlos Sainz finally showing that Ferrari, they were, I think, only bad with the C2 medium compound and bottom out. They were wondering how bad it could get this weekend, but it did not. So good on them for that as well. And some tremendous stuff right there in the midfield. And Norris, finally, outclassed. So we could very well have a fight here. It's just not Lando Norris and then the others. Yeah, I, you know, I, I must say... Uh, Checo Perez, his recovery, he literally gained, I think he went from P8 to P6 in the first lap or first two laps, yeah, yeah. I remember. And then he took almost 45 laps to gain that one additional place, place on Daniel Ricciardo. So, you know, it, it, took, uh, it took him time. He battled all race long with, uh, you know, a former Red Bull driver. But all in all, I think great to see Daniel Ricciardo up there bears well for McLaren. You know, not to, not just to uh, sort of have Lando Norris up there, but you know, have Daniel Ricciardo, the much celebrated driver, and I believe he was signed on as the number one driver. So, you know, oh. that recovery is good. And Daniel himself said, "I'm feeling more comfortable. I'm I'm feeling like I'm getting into the groove of things." And you know, everyone said, "Give them five races and 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 see where they go." And, uh, you know, we've seen uh, this is the fourth race of the season that we've just had. So I think great drives overall. Even Pierre Gasly, you know, in his last stint, he went from P16 to P10. Uh, and he was, I'm just reading the, the results here. He was two tenths away from Esteban Ocon, who, of course, had a better qualifying than, than, than better race performance. So all in all, I think it was fantastic midfield fight. And, you know, even though Aston Martin didn't really score a point we need to thank them for triggering uh, the two stoppers because the minute they stopped you know suddenly everyone realized that's it we need to pit and then boom everyone was pitting for the second time as well otherwise you know you give teams a chance and they would have just wanted to stretch it to become a one-stopper race and oh my god the battle at the end Fernando Alonso, Pierre Gasly, Lance Stroll, Kimi Raikkonen Oh, that, that was super. But Kimi Raikkonen, on a completely lopsided strategy, he's still poking his nose here and there. I, I love the man. I love how Alfa Romeo do things differently to everyone because they have to. On, on merit, they won't be in the top 10. So yeah. they tried, they failed. But another interesting aspect, uh, Fernando Alonso was nursing an engine issue. That's why he dropped down to 17th in the end. He was showing very good signs of staying in P10. A brief battle with George Russell for that position, but then... Both of them lost pace. Yeah. Pierre Gasly, by the way, good that he touched on him. Five-second penalty, remember, and because he uh, because he started slightly ahead of where he should have on, on the grid start. So he crossed the yellow line right there. Still amazing position gaining in the last few laps. And that was superb by him as well. And Fernand, we must discuss about this. Esteban Ocon has beat Fernando Alonso clean for the second weekend running. Uh, I know Ajit came on the show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and you should check that episode, by the way. Sorry, uh, guilty for self-plugging. But he said that I don't quite see the value in Esteban Ocon. And by that point, I was thinking, yeah, same. Nothing special that he's done over the last few years. But now this guy is just renewed in confidence with the new upgrades. I'm loving this version of him. 
It is. It's a fantastic version. I just hope it doesn't get passed off as saying, yeah, but he beat a has-been Fernando Alonso, Fernando no. 2.0 or something, you know. I think he's 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 doing well to sort of pull the mantle at Alpine till Alonso settles in. But, you know, on Fernando Alonso, in his home race, I think in the last five laps, and I have I have graphs on my screen which Nityananda's put in place, which we will have on, on our Instagram and Facebook handles and so on. Fernando Alonso lost seven positions in the last five laps. Of course, he he made a pit stop that sort of you know caused him to uh, to drop out of a point scoring position. And then uh, you know since since the the topic started about Kimi Raikkonen, Raikkonen made up three positions, the most of any driver on on the opening lap. So just uh, goes to so- show how the older drivers are also pretty racy as well. And you know, uh, Pierre Gasly, I was a little surprised, you know, with the whole start grid being out of position. It's something, you know, we've not seen a start grid infringement uh, related penalty for several uh, times, uh, several years now. So it was it was a little unfortunate to see him, him do that. But, uh, you know, to me, Sommel, the moment of my, uh, the, the, the one moment of, of the race that I, I would love to highlight again, um, Toto Wolf, you know, being the statesman that he is, uh you know he he he's actually gone onto the record to say this that uh the the strategy that lewis hamilton was on today was a decision by rosie their head of strategy and this is her last race uh before she oh. goes on maternity leave okay so brilliant strategy by the team and brilliant execution by their driver you almost got me there. I, I thought you were going to say last race before she leaves the team. I, I suddenly... And goes to Red Bull because Red Bull's, of course, hiring a lot <laughs> exactly of people. Exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> no, but but so good. So good. Now, I hope her maternity leave goes extremely well and she's back on when she feels the time is correct, of course. Uh, good, very excellent strategy that one was. I love it. I love the word that you said early on. A well-oiled winning machine. That's what Mercedes is. And yes, although it may be a very short comeback, it is still bouncing back. But it's still a big uh, bounce back. Oh, what's gone to my grandma, man? It's still a good <laughs> comeback from Mercedes right here. And I think, I think these micro comebacks can keep on happening during the season. No, Kunal, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. And I think one person who really needs a micro comeback is Sebastian Vettel. Again, mm. I'm reading a stat pulled out by Sundaram. And this is the first time in his career as a four times world champion, 50 or 50 plus race wins, etc., that Sebastian Vettel has gone seven races without scoring a point, right? So that is a painful stat, but that's the truth. And then uh, the fun stat, Sommel, you know, uh, a driver who uh, almost would have been our, you know, manscaped lawnmower moment winner of the day, at least he was in free practice one, Nikita Mazepin. He finished 35 seconds behind Mick Schumacher. Wow. Not bad. Not, Not bad. bad. That's just it's half a second good. every lap of the race or there was, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a bit of positive. <laughs> uh, I, think we've, I think we've done enough of that uh, so far this season. There'll be more chances, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I hope he recovers. Yeah. But and and before, and before, uh, bef- sorry, and no before, and before people pounce onto us for being harsh too, uh, harsh with Red Bull and their whole thing, we also acknowledge the fact that maybe Red Bull just thought, that's it, we don't have the pace, let's just get the maximum points and not risk anything, yeah. maybe. And that's also not a bad strategy. Like I said, we are at home, sitting in our home offices, recording on uh, <laughs> on our mics and, you know, bringing the show to you guys. 
But, you know, guys on the pit wall definitely have more data and just that feeling maybe Red Bull could have done different. You know, it's it's like, it shouldn't just be Mercedes who learned their lessons from Hungary 2019. Why not Red Bull? You know, simple question. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for the next one. I, I really think they missed the bus here. But then again, who am I to say uh, that they have done something wrong? I think they'll be the first people to come out there and recognize themselves, which should be good for them. But a funny note to wrap this episode up on, Kunal. A very funny incident, finally. Uh, when Yuki Snora stopped, no, that's not funny. But when he stopped, uh, what happened was his car... It's amazing. So Yuki took out his steering wheel, of course. He, he got up uh, and he got out of the car. But because turn 10 is... is it's a weird corner, right? It's slightly downhill. So his car started to send back out. And he's literally outside the car. So he had to run back in, sit inside and put the steering wheel up and stop it back on. That was small moments of joy, basically. But We can that. actually just rate that as the lawnmower moment. I don't think anything beats Almost. that. You know, for me, it was a matrix moment because I was, you uh-huh. know, I, I, was, I was seeing several feeds and then I was just looking and I said, okay, is it virtual safety car, safety car? And just, you know, sort of in my head, my pit wall, I was just doing some calculations. <laughs> and then I look away and I look back and I see Yuki back in the car. And I'm like, is that the double cat mo- <laughs> moment that, you know, Neo had in the Matrix when suddenly you see things double and some, there's a glitch in the Matrix. Of course, there was a glitch in his engine. We know that, right? But it was just like, what? Just Yuki just actually get back. And then I told one of our <laughs> studio uh, colleagues to say, can you remind us? Did he actually get back? And but it was a funny moment. So if, if Yuki is Neo, protect him at all costs. He's the one. <laughs> Who will replace <laughs> Max Verstappen. <laughs> Who knows, who knows which way that's going to go. But that's it from us today, folks. I hope you enjoyed listening to us. I hope you enjoyed watching us as well on Pitch to Podium's YouTube channel. By the way, quick reminder, the code TRIMINSIGHT for a 20% discount on all of Manscaped's products. Across the globe, that is. So check out the link in our description along with the link for Puma Motorsports merchandise. Use the code Puma inside, uh, uh, Puma inside line, that is, for a 5% discount on all of Puma's most merchandise. And subscribe to our newsletter, follow us on social media for the Monaco GP competition. And there's so much more, right? I, I know I do this at the end of every episode. I just have to remind you of all the good stuff that we're doing. Yeah, but and we just don't want to say bye, but, part of this. you know, we just have to say exactly. bye after a point, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I, I wish we could have chatted for this place for longer, but hey. Uh, that's just the nature of time. No, not everyone doesn't have an hour right, to listen to. So, I think that's that, folks. Thank you for listening, and you know, thank you so much for joining. A really fun episode, this one. Likewise, someone. Thank you, and uh, see you very soon, guys. Bye bye.